Well, hey, welcome to Central Christian Church Online. Uh, my name's Tim. I'm honored that you've joined us today. Hey, hey, I want you to know right up front, once again, our mission here at Central, the whole reason that we do this is to help people find and follow Jesus. And also want you to know, maybe you're tuning in for the first time, just checking this place out. I want you to know right up front, uh, we are imperfect people in progress. And so no matter where you find yourself today on your spiritual journey, it's my hope that, that you would find this to be a safe place place to call home. And so welcome, welcome to Central. We are in week number four of our series called, we're calling Thrive. And, uh, and this is our final week of this series. Looking forward to Mother's Day next week. You're not going to miss that. Mamas, we got something very special for you in store uh, for, for the online audience as well as in person. But, but today we're, we're closing out this series and, and it's my hope that you, you thrive, that you experience this abundant life that, that God has promised you. And, and we've been using this theme verse. It's the theme verse is found in, in Proverbs 29, 18. And in the, in the King James Version, it says that where there is no vision, the people perish. And so, so God wants you to have this vision for your life so that you can live life on, on purpose. Or as the NIV puts it this way, it says where there is no revelation. Like we've got to have this revelation. We've got to have our, our eyes open to what on earth we are here for. Because if we don't, then people cast off restraint. In other words, they just do whatever, whatever they want to do. And I don't know about you, but my experience has been whenever I do whatever I, I want to do, my thought is that would lead to my freedom. But what I've discovered in my own life is that actually leads to, to my captivity. And so when people don't have a, a clear vision for what, what, what God wants for your life, we cast off all kinds of restraint and it leads to our, leads to our bondage and, and God doesn't want that for you. Uh, or as this message paraphrase, the message is, is not a translation of the original language, it's actually a paraphrase of a translation, but it, it's put in very clear language for us to understand. And it says, where, where people cannot see what God is doing, and that's my hope for you throughout Thrive, that we see from cover to cover that God, you got a plan for my life, I see what you're doing, and now I know how to live my life in order that I can experience the abundant life that you have, because when people don't see what God's doing, they stumble all over themselves. It's like they're, they're running through life with their shoelaces tied together. And, it, and some people we know, like maybe you've experienced that yourself, just stumbling through life. But when we, when we attend, when we actually do well, what God reveals in his word, you will, be, you will be most blessed. And that's what I hope for you. I want you to thrive in life. And the good news is that God has shown us how to experience this abundant life. It was the psalmist in Psalm 1611 where he says this, you will show me. You will show me the way of life, granting me joy. And this is what we want in our life, right? Joy in your, in your presence and pleasures of living with you forever. This word joy or that word that we just read before, blessed, it's, it's this, this word that, that kind of has this, this meaning of like, I have found contentment, like my cup is now full. Like, like I am not needing anything. It's, it's this imagery of, of people having gaps or holes in their life. And, and because of, of being in the presence of God, but because of walking in this pathway of life, now all those holes have been filled. And now we find contentment. We find, we find joy. It's this blessed, this blessed life. It was Jesus who promised us this in John 10, 10. He said this, you just need to know right up front, no matter where you are, if this is your first time tuning in or you're a season ticket holder at church, you need to know that you have a very real enemy and his purpose is to steal, kill, and, and destroy. And the tricky thing about this is that he makes it look so appealing, so alluring to us. But, but at the end of that road, it is death, it is destruction, it is loss. 
But you need to know this, that Jesus, he comes, and here's what he says, I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. His desires for your life to brim over with life. That is the abundant life that God has promised. And, and we just believe around here at Central, the pathway to experience the abundant life that God promised us is to know God to be a person that grows in freedom, that, that you live and show your purpose and you go out and you change the world. This is what you are called to. Your life will probably feel like you're always tripping over your own shoelaces until you step into this journey. And it's a vibrant spiritual journey that Jesus wants to invite you into. And, and as your pastor, I wanna invite you into this as well, not only for you, but for you to take other people on this journey to know God, to grow in freedom, to show their purpose, and to go change the world together in community. And so we've been talking about this over the past four weeks. And week, week two, we actually, week one was an overview of these. Uh, week two was how you can know God. And that's, that's an amazing reality that the creator of the universe wants to, not just for you to know stuff about him, but he wants to know you personally, and know you like you, you know your best friend. He wants you to grow in freedom, to put to rest your yesterdays so you can take hold of a new day in your life. His desire is for you to show your purpose because you just need to know God created you on purpose, with purpose, and he's got great plans for your life. And now today, week four, this final week of Thrive, we're gonna talk about how can we go and change the world because you're called to this. And oftentimes, one of my greatest Greatest challenge, one of my greatest honest frustrations as being a pastor is, is to, to help people see, to help you see that God has so much more for your life. Oftentimes, too often, I see people limiting themselves for what God desires to do through them when God has called us to go, go be agents of change in this world. This is what you are called to. You, you are called to, to, to bring about change to produce fruit. Matter of fact, uh, John, uh, Jesus said this in John 15, eight. He, he said this, he says, says, this is to my father's glory that you do what? You bear much fruit. Like the, your life is producing stuff. It actually brings God honor, it brings him pleasure when we, we're producing good things in our life. And a matter of fact, it shows us to be his, his disciples. And he goes on to say that, that, that actually honoring him and, and following his word actually brings, brings honor to him, but also brings joy to our lives. And in John 15, 11, he says, I told you all this so that here it is. There's that word again. You may have, my joy may be in you. In other words, my joy is filling in all the cracks and crevices of your life. You found contentment. My joy may be in you and that your joy may be Complete, And I'm just telling you, I think you'll be hard pressed to find joy, to live a life of joy, a life of fulfillment until you step into your purpose and you're activated to go change the world. Here, if you're taking notes, and I, I hope you are, here's the first fill in the blank. And that's this, this statement that I hope, I, my prayer is that this sinks into your heart today, that my ultimate purpose in life is to make a difference for eternity. You're made for this. We're made for this, to be, live a life of transcendence, to not just make a difference right here, right now, though that's part of it, to make a difference though for eternity, or as we say around here at Central, go change the world. This is your call in life. Uh, John uh, 17, 18, Jesus is praying this, this kind of final moment before he goes to the cross. He's actually in this garden of Gethsemane and he's, he's having this conversation with his heavenly father. And, and part of his prayer was for you. Part, he, was, he had you on his mind in this moment. And he says, says, in the same way, God, you gave me a mission 
Jesus lived life on mission. Everything he did was, was for a purpose. As a matter of fact, his final words on the cross was, it is it's finished. I've lived my life and I fulfilled the mission. He says, God, just as you've given me a mission, I give them a mission in the world. Like he, you have a mission. And my hope today is just to, to help you to take hold of this, to, to get fired up and passionate about the mission God has given you in this world. That is my goal. And matter of fact, it'll be very hard for you to thrive in life until you commit to live life on mission. The people I know in life that have the most joy are people that are living life on mission. And that's not because everything in their life is joyous. It's not because their circumstances are not challenging, but you'll be hard pressed to find these people complaining. You'll be hard pressed to find these people like, like, like bickering about small things that don't matter. Why? Because they have an elevated perspective of their life. They know God has called them on purpose, with purpose, and they're living life on mission. And joy isn't found in the absence of problems. Joy is found in living on, on mission. And so kind of as an introduction to today's message, I want to tell you about uh, a racetrack, a dog race, matter of fact, that took place in, in Florida. And uh, there's this news article, this newspaper reported this, uh, this Greyhound racetrack had this event unfold. And, and I don't know how familiar you are with, with Greyhound races, but they're very different than horse races because in horse races... Uh, there's a jockey on the horse, right? And the, the jockey tells the horse like how fast to go, where to go, when to turn, all this stuff. But dogs, they don't have jockeys on their back. And so they came up with this idea of this rabbit. And what takes place at any, any dog race is that this, this rabbit actually starts back here, goes by, and as soon as the rabbit passes, the dogs are released. And the whole time, the dogs are chasing the rabbit on this like train track on the inside rail of of the dog race track. And so, so they're, they're chasing the rabbit. That gives them purpose to the race. Well, this, this news article in Florida tells a story about this greyhound race. And, and as this rabbit that the dogs were chasing rounds the first corner, there's a mechanical malfunction and the rabbit explodes. And so like fur and wires are everywhere. And, and so the dogs don't know what to do. And so as the story goes, some dogs just are like, in confusion, they just sit down and they like, they just decide to take a nap right there on the racetrack. Uh, other dogs are, they don't have any a rabbit to chase anymore. So they actually go, go plowing through the railing and, and many dogs like broke ribs and, and some limbs because they just, they didn't have a guide anymore. And as the story goes, some of the dogs just sat down. They realized there's people here in the, in the audience and, and they just start like barking at the spectators. And, uh, and I, I read, and I thought, man, what a, what a picture of humanity. Whenever we don't have purpose, when we don't have a rabbit to chase, some of us, we just sit down and just fall asleep and we're just lulled to sleep throughout our life and life just passes us by. Others of us, because of our own choices. We, we're not, we don't have purpose, we don't have meaning, we don't have a mission. So we, we, we engage in destructive habits and we end up hurting ourselves. Or, or, or we just simply, like those dogs, just sit there and bark at everybody else as life is passing us by over stuff that doesn't really even matter. And that's kind of funny, but it's true. 
Because there's a whole lot of people in life that are just sleeping through life. There's a whole lot of people right now that, that are engaging in destructive habits and hurting themselves. There's a whole lot of people that are barking and howling over stuff that doesn't, that doesn't even really matter. And so I almost was going to label this message, Chase the Rabbit. Because you do have a purpose. You do have a meaning. You, God does desire to, to help you run your race in such a way to win it. So you don't fall asleep. So you don't hurt yourself. So you don't just hurt people in your path chase the rabbit, but, but that requires some explanation. So I just labeled this, go change the world because that's what you're called. That's what you're called to do. And so until you make that decision, that, that is a, a conscious decision that we have to make to, I'm going to live my life on mission. Then if we don't, we're just going to be lulled to sleep, hurt ourselves and bark at, bark at others. And so uh, yeah, so, so to get, get something in your life that's bigger than your life, that's the ultimate goal. Let's live life for, for meaning that's beyond, that's beyond us. This is what you're called to do. And so, so uh, I just want to pause here and just say, hey, this, like, like look at my eyes. You're called to chase something that's bigger than yourself and makes a difference for eternity. That's your call. You need to know that. You need to settle that. You need to take hold of that. You need to chase that because that's God's plan for your life. There's this guy in the New Testament. His name's Paul and he lives life on mission. Like he took hold, he was chasing the rabbit his whole life. And matter of fact, these guys came to him from Jerusalem, these prophets and like, hey, if you, if you go there to the city you're about to go to, you're gonna die. And Paul's like, I know, but, but like I'm compelled to go. I, I can't. I'm going to go. And he says this in, in Acts 20, 24. He says, however, I just need you to know, I consider my life worth, worth nothing to me. But my only aim is to finish the race. I'm going to chase the rabbit. I'm going to complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. And here's the mission. Here's what he says. My, my life is all about testifying to the, to the good news of God's grace. That's a mission. That's worth chasing. That's the purpose that Paul anchored his life. And I just believe my hope in this time is to convince you that's your mission too. Now, I also know that you have a unique contribution that is unique to you, to the church, to the kingdom. Uh, God has given you spiritual gifts that is unique to you. But, but all of, we talked about that last week, so I'm not gonna spend a whole lot of time on that this week. But, but it is important for you to, to know your unique contribution, to know your unique gifting, because your design does point to your destiny. So my hope is that you be a person that I, I not, not only know my purpose, but I'm gonna show my purpose in the way I live. But part of your unique call for all of us that unifies us is to go change the world by testifying the good news of God's, God's radical grace. I wanna just share with you Jesus' final words, and I love this, because the one who took your sin and your shame upon himself, the one who on Friday, he, he took the penalty for everything that I deserve, he took on death for me on Friday. Then it was on Sunday that he defeated death, hell, and the grave. And we, we celebrate that every year at Easter because that's a reality. And because he's alive, you can come alive in him. But, but it didn't just end there. After his resurrection, he, he actually walked around on earth in this glorified body for 40 days. And he appeared to not only just his disciples, not only people that followed him, but, but the Bible actually says that in one time, he appeared to over 500 people at once. 
And these are eyewitnesses, and the Bible doesn't label them by name, but New Testament authors and people of this era would say, you know Jesus who rose from the dead? If you don't believe me, like, go talk to Steve, because he saw him. Go, go, go talk to Ken, because he was there. And so these eyewitnesses account, they, they saw this happen. They saw the resurrection. But before he, he, he ascends into heaven on this, this, it's called the Mount of Olives, he's there with his, his people, and he gives them this one final thing. His final words to you, to me, to the, to the, the followers of Jesus at that time. The, probably the most important thing is why he saved it for the last. And these, car- these words carry so much weight. And they're found in Acts 1.8. It says this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. That, that's an important aspect of this, to receive the Spirit's power in your life. But not only do you receive the Spirit's power, but it says, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. And then as they stood on this hill on the Mount of Olives, they could see the city of Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria. And that would have probably been the most shocking thing to his audience because the land of Judea and Samaria were full of people that were not Jews. They had a different worldview. They had a different, different religion. They had a different, different outlook on life. They, not only did they have not the same race of the Jewish people, but they didn't have the same worldview as the Jewish people. So the disciples were like, really, you want me to go there? And just like, yep, you're gonna go there. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. And not only are you gonna go there, but you're gonna go to the ends of, you're gonna go to the ends of the earth. This is the rabbit to chase. And I believe this is still the mission of the church today. Not only the mission of us collectively, but for you personally, this is, this is what we're called to. The most content people, the most joy-filled people I know are chasing that, they're chasing that rabbit. And so here it is in Jerusalem, he says, go to the people that are closest to you. And then he says in Judea and Samaria, go, go to those who, who are close to me, but they're, they're different from me. Like Judea and Samaria were very close, walking distance, but very different worlds. And then go to the ends of the earth, those who are, who are far, far from us. And I just want you to know, if you're new to Central, that we are a missional church. We, we desire to live this out. This is, this is in the DNA of who we are. Long before I got here, as a matter of fact, this has always been a part of this church's history, this church's DNA. We are a church on on mission, we are called locally, but we are called to our community and the surrounding areas, and we are called to the ends of the earth. And not only are we called, but you're called. This is the purpose. And so what if, what if not only we collectively, this was our mission, but what if you embrace this as your personal mission? Because I believe when you do, I believe you're gonna thrive. So I wanna, with that kind of a framework, we're gonna unpack uh, today's message and get very practical uh, for you. So here's the first point if you're taking notes. Uh, here, here's what we're called to. Here's how we're gonna thrive. Here's how we're gonna change the world. The first is I need to go change my world. I need to change, change my world, like, like my, my circle of influence. I need to commit to changing my landscape right around me, my family, my friends, my coworkers, my, people I touch, people I see at the ball games, people I interact with at the coffee shops. I need to go change, I need to change my world and you do too. It was an interesting passage in, in Mark chapter five, Jesus gets out of the boat and, and he gets to this, this land and there's this guy there who's demon possessed. And matter of fact, this guy is, he's in isolation. He lives in caves and he like yells and screams and he's, he cuts himself and, and everybody's scared to go near this guy. 
But, but Jesus steps out and he sees him. And he says, says, he says, wait a minute, like, what do you want with me? And Jesus is like, he sets him free. He says, you can know God, helps him find freedom. And this guy's like, you've changed my life. I'm gonna follow you all of my life. Wherever you go, just I'm, I'm going, because you changed my life. But Jesus, he says this in Mark chapter five, Jesus was, was getting in the boat and the man who had been demon possessed, he begged, Jesus, can I, can I please just follow you? Wherever you go, I wanna go. I wanna go with you. But Jesus said to him, no, you need to go change your world. You need to go home to your family and tell them everything the Lord has done for you and how merciful he has, he has been. I want you to just catch the message there. He didn't say, you know what, family, you need to, you need to get right or you're gonna get left. <laughs> he didn't say you need to turn or you're gonna burn, baby. He said, no, 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 let me just tell you, let me just tell you what God's done for me. He's changed my life. That's the message. I was this way, now I'm this way. That's your message too. Hey, God has changed my life. Matter of fact, let me just tell you how merciful he's been to me. It says, so, so the man, he started off and he visited the 10 towns around the region and began to proclaim, to tell people the great things Jesus had done for him. And everyone was amazed at what he told him. And I'm just telling you, this is our first calling. We're called to go to our family. We're called to go to our homes. We're called to go to our, 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 our office space. And we're, we're, gonna do, we're gonna tell them, I was this way, but Jesus set me free. Can I just tell you how merciful he's been to me? That's the call. That's what we're, we're asked to do. That's how we change, that's how we change my world. That's how you change your world too. Uh, let, let's look at the, the first time Jesus sent out his followers and he was training them. So, so this is before the cross. Uh, this is before the resurrection. Jesus is kind of in, in discipleship training mode. And I, I believe this is still true today. This, this kind of formula that, that he gives them and, and this guy named Ed Solzo in his book, Ecclesia, he kind of lays out this, this pattern. So it's not original thought for me, but I just want to give him some credit. But here's Jesus' words in, in Luke 10, one through nine. Uh, he says, after this, uh, the Lord, uh, the Lord appointed, and that's important. You know you're, you're appointed, you have an assignment. 72 others with them. So beyond the 12, 72 people headed, sent them out to, to towns ahead of him where he was about to go. And he told them, here's what you need to know. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. The same is true today as it was then. Jesus is like, hey, you know what? We got this harvest issue, right? Like, we got this problem with the harvest and the problem is the challenge isn't the fruit. Like there's plenty of fruit. The problem is we don't have enough workers to harvest, to harvest the fruit. We got a worker issue. We got a manpower issue. And so he says this, so, so tell, ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send, out, to send out workers into the harvest field. And so this is, this is where I just wanna invite you. To, would you pray for this? Would you pray that God would send out workers? Because there's abundant harvest, but we got... The workers are few. And you just need to know, if you live here in San Jose or the Bay Area, or maybe you're just tuning in from another town, you just need to know that, that we live in a place where the harvest is plentiful. And I'm guessing the harvest is plentiful wherever you are too. But here, here where we are, our church is in this county called Santa Clara County. And right here in our county, there's 1.7 million people, 1,700,000 people headed to an eternity without Jesus. And I'm just saying the harvest is plentiful. 
You can look at any research done, Barner research, Lifeway research, all of them label the Bay Area, San Francisco, Oakland, and San Jose as the most unreached region in our entire country. I'm just saying, the harvest is plentiful. Now, now, whenever I hear that, whenever I think about that, a couple of thoughts come to mind, and I'm guessing these two thoughts come to your mind too. The first is this. We could respond to that reality and say, hey, y'all, the Bay Area is going to hell, and I'm moving to Texas, right? <laughs> that is a possibility, because we do feel that tension, and if we're honest, we've probably all thought that at one point in this past year. Or we could take this approach and say, God, you've appointed me. You got a plan and a purpose. You orchestrate my days. You just you set my boundaries. You decide where I'm going to live, what, what I'm going to do. God, you've appointed me to the Bay Area, and thank you, Jesus, that you appointed me to a place where the harvest is plentiful. You 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 allow me to be light in a dark place. Thank you, God, that the harvest is plentiful. Matter of fact, if you need a worker, here I am. You can send me. And I just believe that's going to be the response of the central family. Because Jesus said, the harvest is plentiful, the workers are few. So ask the God of the harvest to send out workers into the field. And I hope you pray that prayer. But you also need to know the next word that Jesus says is that's go. <laughs> There's a problem. We got workers. We don't have enough of them. But I got you, so I'm sending you. This is your mission. And you also need to know what you're signing up for if you say yes to this. Because Jesus said, I'm sending you out like, like lambs among wolves. In other words, there will be opposition. Light does not have a whole lot in common with darkness. And there's a reason it's not easy here. I just believe that there has been demonic forces, spiritual forces in heavenly realms that have had strongholds in the Bay Area for a long time. And that's why we're the most unchurched region in the United States. You just need to know there will be opposition. And your yes to go is a yes to say, I'm stepping into the fight. You can sign me up. I know greater is he that's in me than he that is in the world, but you need to know you will be sent out like lambs among wolves. This is a reality. And you need to know what you're signing up for. So we're gonna, we're gonna go. We're gonna go. And Jesus said, don't, don't take a purse or a bag or sandals. Don't greet anyone on the road. In other words, he's like, I'm gonna take care of you. And then verse five, this is where we get to the application part. He says, says when you enter a house, say to it, peace to this house. In other words, you're gonna bless them. And if a man of peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. Stay in that house, eating and drinking whatever they give you. In other words, you're going to fellowship with him. You're going to hang out with him. The worker deserves his wage. Uh, do not move around from house to house. Then in verse 8, it says this. Uh, when you enter a town and you're welcome there, eat and drink whatever they, they set before you. In other words, you're going to hang out with them. You're going to fellowship with them. Verse 9, heal the sick that are there. You're going to minister to them and tell them the kingdom of God is near you, you're gonna to proclaim to them. And here it is, this is, you have one friend in your life, I invite you to, to try this on, on one person this week. A coworker, not that they're test subjects, but they're people of God, they're people that, that God's heart breaks for. He longs to know them. I believe this is the most important thing on the, on the mind of God. The Bible says there's more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner that repents than the 99 righteous that don't need to. He does leave the, nine, the 99 to go after the one. Like this is, this is close to the heart of God. So I just invite all of you watching this, pick one person you're gonna do this with this week. And here's, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna bless them. Do you notice that? 
you're going to enter a house and you're going to find something good to say about him. He, he says, says, peace be to this house. Here's what, here's what you just need to know. That the people who, who, who are far from God, they're anticipating you to say a whole lot of things about them, but they're not expecting you to bless them. They're probably thinking they don't want anything. They don't want to hang out with me. I, I don't think there's anything that they can offer me. I'm not going to meet any needs. I'm I, I sure, not sure I'm interested in what they have to say, but this is what we're called to. We're going to bless them, fellowship with them, minister to them, tell them. Let's break this down a little bit. So, so how do we, we bless them? Basically, we say we're going to find something. We're going to find something good to say about them. Look, look for the good in people and say it. Let's be people that speak the best. See the best, speak the best. Proverbs 18, 21 says this, the tongue has the power of life and death and those who love it will eat its fruit. Colossians 4, 6 says, let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you'll have the right response for everyone. Before I was a follower of Jesus, this is the last thing I thought Christians did. As a matter of fact, I, I thought it was the opposite. I thought the only thing that, that people like you who follow Jesus do is point out everything that's wrong in my life life of people that aren't following God. And, and it, maybe that's unfair, but that was my, my perspective. I'm just saying, I bet your coworkers probably feel the same way. But there's this lady who was a part of this church, a small town where my, my mom and my dad went to church uh, and she was my mom's prayer partner, right? So like I knew this lady knew everything about me. And uh, I show up to, to help my mom with these, this kids ministry uh, one night and and I'm, I'm going in, I know I'm going to meet this lady, and I'm expecting her to do everything besides this. I'm expecting her to tell me how I'm blowing my potential. I expect her to tell me how like, I'm hurting my mom and dad who, who are great parents. I expect her to tell me just how I'm, I'm a failure at life. And you know what? Like, I didn't need Margaret to tell me those things because I knew those things. And the people in your life know that they're screwing up too. They know that they're far from God. They know they got issues they're working through. But, but here's what Margaret did. She didn't tell me any of those things. You know what she said? She said, Tim, if we could bottle up that smile of yours, we'd all be millionaires. <laughs> and I was like, you, you're talking to me? Like, you know who I am? Yeah, we're so glad you're here. We just, we're just grateful to see you. Keep smiling, Tim. And I was like, wow. It changed my perspective of, of Christians. It changed my perspective of the church. It changed my perspective of an individual who could know everything that I've ever done and still choose to speak life over me. Bless them. Let your conversation be full of grace. Seasoned with salt, the, the power of life and death, it's in, your, it's in your tongue. Let's find something good and say something good over people. And the second thing we see is, is fellowship with them. So we're going to bless them. We're going to fellowship them. This basically is like, just be their friends. Hang out with them. Jesus did more over dinner to change the life of people, Zacchaeus, Matthew, the list goes on and on. He was known as a friend of sinners. Why? Because he, he did this. He just hung out with them. And that's your invitation too. Who, who's someone this week you could invite to lunch and just hang out with them? They probably have a different world than, view than you and, and maybe they would think, I'm never going to lunch with that guy, but you invite them. And when you do, bless them, hang out with them, hear their story. And then third, minister to them. And that's basically identify where they're hurting and see if you can meet their need. Proverbs 3, 27 through 28 says this, never walk away from someone who deserves help. Check this out. Your hand is God's hand to that person. Your hand is God's hand 
for that person. This week, you just need to know, find somebody you can help because in that moment, your hand is God's hand to that person. Never tell your neighbor, wait till tomorrow if you can help them now. So we're gonna bless them. We're gonna hang out with them. We're gonna see if there's a need that we can meet in their life. We're gonna, we're gonna minister to them. And fourth, we're gonna tell them. We're, gonna, we're just gonna tell them. tell them. Tell them what? Tell them what God's done in your life. Tell them how merciful he's been. Tell them I was this way, but now I'm this way. I'm just thankful for Jesus. He's been so merciful. He's been so merciful to me. Back to Acts 1.8, remember the call. This is what we're we're called to. Jesus said, you'll be my witnesses. You're not the defense attorney. You're not not the prosecuting attorney. You're not the judge. You're simply a witness on the stand saying, Jesus has been really good to me. I I don't know what your experience has been, but, but I know what he's done for me. And he set me free. We're called to be witnesses. We're gonna bless them. We're gonna hang out with them, fellowship with them. We're gonna minister to them, find something good, the need that we can meet in their life. And then we're, gonna, we're just gonna tell them, witness to them, telling them how God has impacted our, our lives. Simply tell them what Jesus has done for you. So we're gonna go. First is to go change my world. Second, we're gonna go make a difference beyond my world. And we're living in one of the most polarized societies, aren't we? Like, like our, even if we live in proximity with other people, we're, we've got very different worlds that we're, we're navigating, very different worlds that we're, we're living in. So how do we make a difference in such a polarized world? Well, Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 9, 22. He says, when I'm with those who are weak, I share in their weakness. For I want to bring the weak to Christ. Yes, I try to find common ground with everyone. And that's what I want to encourage you to do. When people have different worldviews than you, people are, are from different cultures, different backgrounds, different societies, different, different outlooks on life. Look for, find common ground with them in doing everything I can to save some, to kind of try to gain this platform of influence so I can just say, hey, here's what Jesus has done for me. If you're taking extra notes, the best way to find common ground with people is just to find out where they're hurting and try to help them. Galatians 6.2 says this, stoop down, reach out to those who are oppressed, share their burdens, and so complete the law of Christ. Be people who help people. Let's go make a difference beyond our world by finding ways to bless people this week, to meet their needs. Uh, For some people who are in a very different different place than we are, maybe a different socioeconomic class, maybe a different worldview, uh, it's an invitation to go make a difference beyond, beyond our worlds and get involved in their world. And then third and final is to go change, go change the world, the entire world. Now, now how do you do that? Um, for, for most of us, like the reality is like, we're not gonna go live in the Horn of Africa and try to like reach Muslims for Jesus. That's just not, it's probably not gonna happen for all of us. Uh, we, we probably won't go live in Cambodia and try to rescue women and kids out of sex slave trafficking. That, that's probably not going to be the reality for, for you this coming year. But for some of you, maybe it is. Maybe that is what God has for you. Maybe you are called to the nations. And if it is, I invite you to lean into that call. Because God is still sending people out to the ends of the earth to help people find and follow Jesus. So if that's your call, lean in. But if that's not what God has for you, I want you to know that you can go to the ends of the earth and you are going to the ends of the earth every day through your financial giving here at Central Christian Church. It's through your generosity that people on the other side of the world are finding and following 
Jesus. This past year, we, we at Central collectively, we, we've given $400,000 to this effort to go change the whole world. We are better together. Here's a report I got from uh, one of our uh, missionaries this week that, that we support, we sponsor. So here's what, what your dollars are doing. It, just this week, heard from them. And this is what took place over the past three months. So just the last, the last quarter, here's what took place. Over 10,000 women have been protected and kids have been protected from sex slave trafficking efforts. Uh, this is taking place in Cambodia. Over 1,500 women and kids have been rescued out of sex slave trafficking world. Like how awesome is that? Over 700 are now going through this healing process and getting counseling from all the trauma that they've experienced throughout their, their life. They're trying to unwire the lies that people have told them their whole life. Over 700 women and children are going through this process right now because of your generosity. And over 250 women now have safe and sustainable employment to live a different life. You are changing lives on the other side of the world. And that does, I don't even have time to tell you what's taking place in Africa and what's taking place in, in Indonesia and what's taking place in Chile and what's taking place in Beirut and what's taking place in Kurdistan. I don't, it, the, the, your dollars are going out to the world and it's changing the trajectory of lives. And Jesus said this in Mark 16, 15. He said, go, go everywhere. That's what we're trying to do. Go everywhere in the world and tell the good news to, to everyone. This is your purpose. This is what you are created to do. And is it easy? No. Is it cost effective? No, it's not. It costs a lot of, lot of money. But is it worth it? Absolutely. If ever you doubt this, you need to remember these words in Mark 10, 29. Jesus replied to them, let me assure you that no one who has ever given up anything, you've given up anything for the love of me or to tell others. And that's why we do what we do. We, we do this, we do missions. We, 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 we love people. We, we try to live life on mission because we love God and we love, we love people. If you've given up anything because you love God or, or, or you're trying to tell other people the good news, you just need to know that, that, that those people won't, they'll be given back a hundred times over. That he will reward you. And so as a church, individually and, and collectively, here's the realization. Here's what we're just anchoring in on. Here, here's what I hope, I hope you take away today. Here's the realization that reaching the lost people, this next slide here, reaching the lost, this is your primary purpose. This is what you're on earth for. You're called to do some other things, but this is the main thing. And you can get everything else right, but if you miss this one, then man, we miss out on a whole lot. Because this is, this is your primary purpose. Reaching the lost, it is our primary purpose. It's our primary purpose collectively as Central Christian Church, but it is your primary purpose individually. And how do we do that? Well, remember this next four step here. We, we bless them, speak life to people, see the best, speak the best, fellowship with them, have relationship with them. So you have a platform of influence to speak into their life, minister to them, like find a need, meet their needs, and then tell them, tell them, if, has God been good to you? Has God been merciful to you? Has God done anything we're talking about in your life? Then 
And let's be people who do this because Jesus said, you will be my witnesses. This is your call. This is essential to thriving. Let's pray. Well, God, we just thank you for your love, for your radical grace. God, we thank you for giving us purpose and meaning, a rabbit to chase throughout our lives. So God, I pray that you'd help us not to be distracted, not people who are lulled to sleep, not people who, who, who are living off mission and just do things that are destructive to ourselves, not to be people who just bark about all kinds of things that don't matter. But God, we'd be people on mission. We'd run our race to win. And God, we just recognize that your heart as a father, that you got some lost kids here in San Jose. And God, you've, you've invited us into to living on mission for you. So Jesus, would you help us to, to find them, to bless them? Would you help us to, to hang out with them and create friendships with them? Would you help us to see a need and meet a need and minister to them? Would you help us, God, just to tell them about your radical grace that's changed our lives and can change their life too? In Jesus' name, amen.